This is Perspectives, the show where a conversation about our differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley. Black professionals hold only 3.2%, I'll say that again, 3.2% of all executive or senior leadership roles in corporate America. When you drill down to the Fortune 500 companies, and here in Atlanta, there are 15 or more headquartered, that number is less than 1%. Why is that? A study from the consulting group McKinsey says Black employees are 23% less likely to say they receive a lot or quite a bit of support to advance in the workplace. Joining me to discuss this is Dennis Kimbrough, the best-selling author of Think and Grow Rich, and Jerome Hutchinson Jr., the founder and chief servant officer of the International Career and Business Alliance. The two are also co-founders of Black Professionals Month. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me. Mr. Kimbrough, in 2021, 2021, why is it still so difficult for people of color to reach the C-suite in business? Well, there's a number of factors. And Candace, thank you for this opportunity in which I could go ahead and share my thoughts. And you're exactly right. Whether you read McKinsey, whether you read Diversity Inclusion Magazine, whether you read Robert Half and Associates, the numbers certainly bear the problem that's at hand. You got 13.4%, 13.4% of African Americans make up the population here in the United States and about 4%, 4% hold managerial jobs. But when you look at the C-suite, we're talking 1% or less. Since Fortune Magazine began tabulating and aggregating this data, there have only been 19 African Americans to hold that office in the C-suite. Now you asked a couple of questions. Number one, top of the list. I mean, we are basically invisible and it takes a process even when you become a part of the C team, whether that's in marketing, whether that's in operations or whether that's in finance. Number two, we need advisors and we need mentors. The bottom line, we need individuals to speak up on our behalf when we're not in the room. And when you look at your career, that's what's going to take place. Your next position will be brought about by individuals when you are not in the room or speaking up on your behalf. And number three, this is where Jerome Hutchison comes in and Denise Kegler, we need a playbook. We need an operating manual. Again, Candace, this is all new to us. I mean, it wasn't until the late 1940s and 1950s that African-Americans were even hired by corporate America in training programs. Pepsi-Cola certainly led the way with that. And when they trained us, we weren't allowed in the home office for the training. We were trained in black churches. We are trained in social groups. We weren't even, I mean, even for sales reps to sell cars, we weren't even allowed in the showroom. So basically nothing has changed when you look in the clear light of data numbers. Now, getting back to the playbook, we need to know how the game is played. And how is the game played? Perception is reality. When you look at Martin Luther King, yes, we knew he was a preacher and yes, we know he was a pastor and yes, we know he was a social activist, but I don't know how many people knew that corporate America hired him for communication training and for professional development. That was his quote unquote side gig back in the 50s and 1960s. Well, nothing has changed. We need to bring that playbook front and center. And that's why I applaud what Jerome Hutchinson has done for the last 30 days down in South Florida. 
Mr. Hutchinson, why don't you weigh in on that same thought and tell us about why it's important to develop that playbook for Black corporate executives? Well, you stated somewhat of what some people may say was the obvious comments in terms of seeing the lack of uh, representation and proportional leadership of Black professionals throughout the corporate world. And keep in mind that our focus has been worldwide, so it's not just a U.S. issue. You know, it's the issue worldwide. Matter of fact, one of our advisory board members, uh, Busiwe out of uh, South Africa, has a program. And as she has described in four different sessions she did throughout Black Professionals Month, the same issues that we're having here, I mean, it just sounds like, you know, you could have just, you know, changed the word from America to South Africa. But there is a major difference. Here, we're in the minority. In South Africa, they are in the majority. And so that situation that they have is, if you will, exponentially greater in terms of the harm and the impact based upon just the population numbers. But having said that, I want to really uh, lean into what Dennis mentioned as it related to the playbook. And I've got a couple of plays for that playbook. One of them is the leverage of our value. We must leverage our value. And we probably even have to take even a step back to make sure that we understand our value. We have a value as it relates to consumers and what we are able to put into the marketplace that helps companies that we are looking to lead and have greater roles of leadership in that we are contributing to their bottom line by our purchasing power. Secondly, you know, our talent. You know, if we were to disengage as it relates to corporate America, while we don't have the same roles of leadership, I think that what we bring to the table does bring significant impact. Imagine the cultural diversity of thought and practices that come that from us being around if it all of a sudden was gone. But our value really probably mostly is in the consumer purchasing arena that can actually be packaged, you know, if you will, aggregated, leveraged, and activated. And we have to understand that and we have to begin to use that. We also need to collaborate with allies. There are people who have shared uh, experiences in this country that we have and are finding themselves in a similar position. Whether we talk about Hispanics, you know, or other ethnic minorities, we need to begin to have a greater, if you will, collaborative effort where we are working with our allies in order to pursue the same kind of shared objectives that we have. If you think about the fact that we've got a, about 1.5 billion, in, a trillion, I'm sorry, in purchasing power as African-Americans, you add another 2.5 trillion to that if you bring Hispanics into that relationship. So now you're talking 4 trillion. We also have to engage and I, I say this somewhat you know, tongue in cheek, we have to engage the enemy. Publicly, I will say we engage the empathy because there is those folks who are, you know, maybe if you will, intentionally fighting against us, but the ones that we probably have the biggest challenge with are the, those who are empathetic to our cause, but we have not been able to activate them in any way besides feeling, if you will, yes, things are not what they should be. We think they should be better. I appreciate that. I thank you for feeling that way. But what are we actually gonna do about it? And how do I engage you to be part of an ally and an advocacy program, initiative, strategy, that can help us to overcome that problem? Last, we have to communicate our shared objectives. If we as black professionals look around and say, okay, as Dr. Kimbrough just said, where's the playbook? What are the plays? What are the things that we should all be talking about? You don't send lobbyists to Congress without a playbook. You don't send the congressmen and the senators out to talk to the media from their caucuses without a playbook. 
their playbook is clear about what the talking points are, what the strategies are, what the, the tactics and objectives. So we in America have to do that. So now that tells you why we're here with Black Professionals Month, because all too often we come together, convene, gather, get excited and say, we're gonna make some difference. And then 30 days later, nothing happens. Because we have the Kaba World Community or the Kaba World Network, which is the world's leading online ecosystem for black professionals and entrepreneurs worldwide, the things that we're talking about are going to continue and be extended through our platform, a place for someone to come and say, okay, what is as a black professional do I need to know about what we need to do in order to advocate and to be serious about making some changes. Some leaders will point to successful men like you and say, hey, you figured it out without a playbook. Why again, Dr. Kimbrough, is it so important that we take the knowledge that you have and have used to build your success and pass that on to others? That's like asking, how do you get to Mount Olympus? Make sure every step you take is toward Mount Olympus. Look, I'm a Johnny come lately in this game in 1994, I had an opportunity to survey the top 150 Blacks in corporate America. With my latest book, The Wealth Choice, again, I confronted some of the top uh, African-Americans in corporate America. And over the course of my academic life, I interviewed everybody from Carla Harris, highest ranking Black woman in Morgan Stanley, to Stanley O'Neill of Merrill Lynch. The bottom line, I found key common chords and factors on how they occupied the corner office or aspired to occupy and who occupies the corner office? What are they doing? Number one, top of the list, regardless of your job title, you are president of your own corporation. Regardless of your job title, you see yourself as an independent consultant on somebody's team. You got to be a participant in your own savior. That's number one. Number two, service is the price you pay for the space that you occupy. And again, regardless of job title, anybody can serve. Always look for ways to wow the customer and know who your customer is. In corporate America, you might have several customers. If you are in that C-suite as a marketing officer or you're in operations or you're the CFO, you've got to know who's your customer, who you report to, and those individuals reporting to you. But all of that falls under the rubric of a commitment to personal excellence. This is what I found out over and over again. These individuals were committed to personal excellence and didn't get involved in anything that they couldn't complete in an excellent fashion. And what is a commitment to excellence? What is a excellence? Well, it's the opposite of average. They protected their brand and they kept their brand strong. The last thing in the world they want to do is be mediocre, be average. And what is average? Average is best of the worst, worst of the best, top of the bottom, bottom of the top. I remember my mind goes back when I sat down with Ann Fudge when she was the highest ranking black female for General Foods. And even Clarence Otis of Darden Restaurant certainly bore this out. You will be remembered for the service that you give and the service that you give be more efficient and more effective and the excellence that is a part of your brand. Anybody can go the extra mile. Anybody can wow the customer. Anybody can deliver the goods. So that's certainly a part of it. Until, we, until that's a part of our brand, until that's a part of our underlying premise, that'll certainly shorten the stroke between you as just a manager and you occupying one of those offices in the C-suite. Yeah. Well, 
You know, they say that when it comes to the retail business, there are three key conditions to success for any retail or restaurant. The first one is location. The second one is location. location. And the third one is location. Mm -hmm. When it comes to success in life, condense, relationships, relationships, relationships. Mm -hmm. Relationships are at the core of everything we do. You do not come into this world by yourself and you don't go out of this world by yourself. And in between, there are people who are pouring into you, supporting you, helping you, praying for you, pushing you, whatever, that are responsible for your success. We are, no one is on an island to themselves, according to Thoreau, all right? So we are all part of an interconnected piece. Stephen Covey says, the highest level of achievement is interconnectedness, okay? So you, you have to be, you know, um, interconnected and working with others. You asked a question earlier about, and made the statement, that someone says that I've made it without a playbook, others can make it without a playbook. Oh, I hate to say this, but that is one of the worst things that anyone could ever say, okay? It's been one of our major shortcomings, that type of mentality. I made it, so if I've made it, it means that you can make it. You know, the spook who sat by the door, you know, was a story that talked about the first black in the CIA. And it is a relevant situation to Blacks who found themselves in corporate America. And unfortunately, there were those who, who found themselves there. And when there is that philosophy called noblesse oblige, where whites would let certain ones make it through to say that, yeah, see, she made it, then you should be able to do it. No, the path that they made it through was so narrow, it was only enough room for one. We need to have a highway big enough so that we can all get through and we have to make it broader. That means that we have to make sure that people know how to get there, that we're supporting them along the way, that we're cheering them along the way because that's how they make it. The white community, they start networking their children in daycare all throughout their educational process. It's not just about who's the best teacher, with the best curriculum. It's about who is in that classroom with them that they're gonna develop relationships with as they go through middle school, go through high school, as they go through college. So that when they finish, the track that they have been on has connected them to people that they have to get out of their own way not to be successful because they have been put on a track of success based on those that they are connected to who are connected to the success that they wanna see emulated. And so we cannot go it alone because we may get there fast, but if we really want to get there far, we need to go together. And so that is why we're here with Black Professionals Month. We are here to say, listen, those of you who've made it, we need to share those secrets of success. And those secrets of success are not so much a secret. They're pretty much fundamental principles. And Dennis Kimbrough talks about it in his books and his speeches all along. It's one of the reasons why we are so determined to put him out there as much as possible to hear what he has to say and read what he has written. So I'll stop right there, but the key is we cannot stand alone. We cannot you know, let people figure it out on their own because when that happens, that means that so many of us are never gonna get there. And that attitude has to be squashed, killed, and just you know, been taken, taken out as they say for a good whipping. Let me ask both of you this. After the social justice protest of last year following the murder of George Floyd, practically all American corporations stated publicly their support for diversity, 
equity and inclusion. Are you seeing in the year that's passed those commitments being paid out in those businesses? And if not, who holds corporate America accountable? Dr. Kimbra. Well, who holds corporate America accountable? The consumers. Every day you get a chance to vote with your dollars. And I'm not saying that we need to go ahead and boycott those organizations and enterprises that aren't doing what they really need to do in the C-suite and <clears throat> C-suite and below. But we got to get, we got to be conscious of everything that we do, you know, in relation to what other groups have, have been doing. So just like Hutch said, in terms of leveraging. But number two, I mean, this has been going on since odd infinitum. George Floyd isn't anything new, Condice. I mean, my mind goes back 20 years ago when I got an opportunity to spend some quality time with Lloyd Ward when he was the highest ranking African-American for Frito-Lay. Now, you know, Frito-Lay is a subsidiary of Pepsi. And he was about to leave that, that position and go to Maytag. He shared a story with me that occurred when he was a senior at Michigan State University. Now here's a black man who was armed with degrees in business and engineering. And during his senior year, he went over to career planning and placement. A corporation was coming to interview on campus and he signed up for an interview. The interviewer with the corporation had no idea looking at this man's resume that he was African-American. And when Lloyd Ward showed up, do you know what that recruiter had the nerve to say to him in 67, 68? He said, sorry, young man, come back in 20 years. You're 20 years too soon. And Lloyd Ward's response was, sir, will that be in the morning or the afternoon? Well, nothing has changed. Now, here we are in 2021, and everybody is now about to have a crucial conversation over race, over gender, over diversity, and over equity. Wakandas, there is a huge difference. Even if we didn't talk and discuss George Floyd, even if we talk and discuss what's going on in corporate America in terms of the numbers, in terms of the perception, in terms of the, you know, of the representation, there's a huge difference between diversity and inclusion. What is diversity? Condis, I got diversity in every pocket. Diversity is physical. Diversity is numbers, diversity is demographics, diversity is psychographics, diversity is your gender. Are you male, are you female? But what we need is inclusion. What is inclusion? Inclusion says I hear you. Inclusion says I see you. Inclusion says I value you. But inclusion says, you know what, Condice, you matter. I want you on your team. That's where we need to be. And that's how we hold corporate America accountable. Mr. Hutchinson. Well, let me add another piece to that because I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive. Yes, we do need to vote with our dollars and maybe we need to take those dollars and reallocate them where we spend them in different places in order to make the point. But what we cannot do is what I saw happen and I've seen happen, you know, so many times where someone will get that idea, they'll put a, a tweet out or they'll go on IG and Next thing you know, they say, tomorrow, you know, everybody, you know, <laughs> buy black, right? Okay, we have to be a whole lot more strategic and not, if you will, reactionary. So that's the first thing. We do need to vote with our dollars, but we need to vote with our dollars strategically, and we need to have a game plan, go back to the playbook. We also have to have a platform where we're communicating about it. We have to have the ability to measure the results, and we also have, you know, someone who is engaging with the target 
of whatever advocacy efforts that we're having in order to pursue what we're doing. So that's that that's a part of where I think you know that we that we really you know have to go with that. But um, I I really want to leave you know th this point, and that is this: we have to really be more intentional about our value. Okay, John Conyers said something to me once when I met with him years ago, asking him to speak at an event. And it was back when I was in college and I was asking him to speak at an event about making Dr. King's birthday a, holy, a holiday. And he said to me, young man, if black folks ever made Dr. King's birthday a holy day, we would never have to worry about white folks making it a holiday. Hmm. That statement was so profound to me. One of the reasons it was also profound to me was that I did not realize that my parents had made Dr. King's birthday a holy day because after Dr. King died, I never went to school on his birthday. But that was just their personal commitment. They didn't wave a flag. They didn't send out a tweet about it. You know, the other part about it, you know, kindness is this. When you value yourself, we tell people about this all the time about self-value, about, you know, self-image. The first person that's got to feel good about you is you. And you have to project that. And when you project that, people treat you differently, right or wrong. So if we as a people treat ourselves better, hold our values stronger, project that to the marketplace, we will be treated better as a people. But that's why we can't not buy into this, well, I'm doing okay, and I know how to treat myself right. Because you know what? The person that they treat wrong may be your daughter, may be your son, may be your cousin, may be your mother. We can't act like we're not connected to one another. We're a family, a family of folks. So we as a people collectively must establish our own interest, intrinsic value, believe in it, project it, and then act on it when people engage with us, making sure that they are giving back to us proportionate value to what we are giving them. Jerome Hutchinson, how can young black professionals not stub a toe before they even get out there and get started? I'm well, you know, I think that probably this generation is more conscious of personal branding than any other generation before. All you gotta do is look at IG and see how many people are branding themselves these days, uh, if you will. Um, but I think the one of the things that's also critical that maybe sometimes getting missed in that uh, rush to create your brand is value, okay? Because a brand without value is nothing but, you know, a piece of paper with a word on it or a picture on it, okay? When I see Coca-Cola or I see IBM, I understand the brand and recognize it, but it means something to me, okay? If there is some value, there's meaning, there's substance behind that. So what we need for our young people to understand is while you can create an image of yourself as being successful, it's more important for you to have substance and value and to create a brand on that, okay? Because your brand needs to stand for something other than the fact that where you are, what you did or who you're with. There's not gonna, there's, you know, there's, there hasn't really been too many people outside the Kardashian family who've been able to, to make you know, million dollar brands just based on who they've been around with. A lot more of the brands are based on people who are doing something that is of value, that is relevant. Without value, you're an empty suit. Those people who are able to not only fill voids in the marketplace, but create, if you will, desires for things that you put into the marketplace, that's where the substance is and you build your brand on that. 
Perspectives is a community and public affairs program produced with you in mind. If there's a guest or an issue you'd like to hear me explore, I'd hope you'd let me know. The easiest way to connect with me is on social media. Just slip me a DM or send me a message. Search Condus Presley on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And yeah, I know you're asking, how do you spell Condus? C-O-N-D-A-C-E. And Presley has two S's. That's P-R-E-S-S-L-E-Y. Friends, I appreciate your listening. Be sure to listen again next week at the same time as we explore new perspectives.